Hello, ako si Des Cavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler Podcast episode kung saan hihimayin natin ang mga maiinit at mga halagang isyo sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's News Break Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang aftermath ng enhanced community quarantine sa Metro Manila at kalapit ng mga probinsya. Anong epekto ng mahigpit na two-week lockdown sa sitwasyon ng coronavirus sa NCR Plus? Saan nagkulang sa implementasyon nito? Kasama ko ngayon sila Raptor Reporters Bonds, Magsambol at Dwight De Leon para talakayin kung may napalaba tayo sa latest ECQ. Hi Bonds and Dwight, thank you for joining me today. Hello Jodes, thank you for having us. Hi Jodes, happy to be here. And, you know, last week, ang debut ay si, si Zyro. Ngayon naman si Dwight. No? So, si Dwight ay bagong reporter na Rappler. First time niya sa Beyond the Stories podcast. So, pero mamaya ako siya tatanungin. So, ang una kong tanong ay para kay Bonds. Bonds, I always ask you this pag nag-guess ka sa podcast ko. Uh, can you tell us muna ano yung situation natin ngayon, number-wise? Kamusta ang active cases natin? At pati yung mga hospital capacity? Okay. Siguro, let's start with... Uh yung mga cases muna na uh, nare-report natin since the ECQ or okay naka MECQ na tayo ngayon so for the past days actually for the past weeks na no uh, we've been reporting around 9,000 cases pa rin and yeah we hit 15,000 cases last I know April to pala that was good friday so kung makikita natin hindi pa rin talaga Uh, maganda yung sitwasyon pandemic situation natin dito though sinasabi ng uh, Okta research na parang yung reproduction number natin so yung reproduction number natin para sa mga listeners natin na uh, para maintindihan yun yung ibig sabihin noon kayang infect ng isang positive case de ba so though sinasabi ng Okta research nga na 1.01 na siya uh, now uh, based yun din sa past two weeks na na computation nila. Kung tutuusin mo, malaki pa rin yun. So that would mean na yung cases natin is mananatili with that level. Or if 9,000, 8,000 yung na-infect last week, so magko-continue yan. Expect natin na magko-continue pa yan in the next week kung mag-stay ng ganun na 1.01 yung reproduction number natin. And then yeah, so ngayon yung confirmed cases natin, total infections natin is 962,307. So sinasabi din ng Okta na by the end of April baka mag 1 million cases na tayo. And with the rate na meron tayo ngayon sa daily infections, hindi imposible na mangyari yon. Baka nga earlier than uh, April 30 ma-hit na natin yung 1 million. So yeah, in terms of active cases, kung mapapansin niyo, bumababa siya I mean, compared last week. So, yung ginagawa kasi dito ng DOH is ni-implement na nila yung time-based tagging na daily. Kasi mm-hmm. prior to this, ginagawa lang nila yun every Sunday. So, ngayon, parang uh, sinabi ni Health Secretary uh, Maria Rosario Verjere kanina sa mga reporters na tinanong namin siya bakit nila naisipan na gawin na siyang daily instead of Yeah, yung usual nila na Sunday report. Sinasabi na ito daw yung utos ni Secretary Francisco Duque para daw magkaroon ng real-time picture. Mas accurate yung data na nare-report sa public. Kasi unlike before na talagang bulto na sa Sunday lang siya, mababawas. So ngayon, kung mapapansin nyo, hindi gumagalaw yung active cases unlike last week na di ba, nagre-reach tayo ng 190,000. Mm-hmm. 
uh, 180. Pero ngayon, kung mapapansin nyo, beginning Monday, nag-hover lang siya sa 110 to 120. Kasi nga, daily nababawasan. So, yun. Quick lang din na recap. Ano bang ibig sabihin ng time-based tagging? Ibig sabihin nun, for example, yung mga asymptomatic and mild uh, cases ng COVID. So, kung, kung halimbawa, na-infect ka or nagkaroon yung onset of symptoms mo since day one, so magbibilang ka lang ng 14 days and hindi mo na kailangan ng retest. So, if matapos mo yung quarantine period, automatically, matatag ka na as recovered. So, yeah. So, to be fair naman, this time-based tagging naman ng recovery, ito din yung practice na ginagawa ng World Health Organization at the same time ng USCTC. So, based on science din naman talaga ito. Uh, and then, di ba nga, nung bago implement ang ECQ na bago, medyo mm-hmm. ang nalangan sa sitwasyon natin, di ba? Yeah. And of course, bawat action kasi na quarantine or lockdown na ina-announce, meron yan dapat na parang KPIs, no? yung parang right. key performance indicators mm-hmm. na magkasabi na ito yung gusto namin ma-achieve, kaya namin i-implement itong lockdown, implement mm-hmm. itong programs na to. Right. So, dito sa latest ECQ, ano yung gustong ma-achieve ng DOH? Okay. Sa, so, bali, uh, paulit-ulit din yung sinasabi ng government natin na parang yung Uh, yung goal talaga ng ECQ is to decongest hospitals at the same time, ma-prepare yung healthcare systems natin. Kasi di ba, I mean, pipigilan natin yung mobility ng tao, ilalock, uh, ilalockdown natin sila para hindi mag-spread yung virus at the same time, dapat nakahanda yung mga hospitals. So for example, nag-order yung DOH na uh, i-increase nilang mga private hospitals yung dedicated beds natin for COVID. Pero uh, for the past weeks, nakikita natin na parang itong Uh, yung social media natin, di ba, nagiging obituary na na parang yung mga nababalitaan na natin na namamatay sa COVID or nai-infect, parang, alam mo yun, parang lumalapit sila na yeah. lumapit, eh, kapamilya natin, ka- kaibigan, kaibigan ng kaibigan, di ba? So, nakikita natin na parang yung mga tao, they're still struggling talaga to find hospital beds uh, amid the situation. So, And ito lang din yung gusto nating i-point out. Like, pinoint out namin siya ni Sofia, yung isang uh, reporter din covering ng health, na yung hospital care utilization kasi nang pinapalabas ng, for example, pag may mga press briefing si presidential spokesman Harry Roque, at the same time yung mga every night na COVID-19 situation or ng Department of Health, makikita mo kasi doon yung may, may data sila or dashboard na parang ito yung hospital care utilization rate per region. Actually, mm-hmm. para may breakdown ata siya per city, especially sa Metro Manila. Pero kung makikita mo kasi doon, parang hindi siya nagbibigay ng clear picture kung gaano talaga ko overwhelm yung hospital. Kasi mm-hmm. like for example, uh, itong data natin as of April 18, ICU to kasi nasabi na 84% daw ng uh, ICU bed sa Metro Manila are occupied na. So, syempre, as public, makikita natin na dapat may 16% pa na hindi occupied, right? Pero iba kasi yung situation on the ground eh. Like makikita mo yung mga pasyente or yung mga families mo, sobrang nagsastruggle sila na makakuha ng hospital. And yung isa nga naming nakausap na case na parang buong family nila infected ng COVID pero it took them like three days. Uh-huh. Diba? Imagine how bad the situation is. And dun sa span na yun, like three days siya naghihintay, hindi pa kama yung nabigay sa kanila ha? Like upuan lang. Yeah. Ganon. So, yeah. I have two questions follow-up okay. ones. First Go. is, you mentioned nga iba nga yung numbers na no? may disconnect uh-uh. sa pinapakita. Right. So, what's the cost behind this? Parang, uh, with 
think, di ba, na meron silang mga one hospital command. We think Mm-mm. na maganda yung data management nila. So, bakit pumapalya sila doon? Like, importante itong uh, data on hospital. Kasi ito yung binabantayan ng mga tao eh. So, Mm-mm. ano nangyayari? Okay. Siguro, uh, ito na lang yung tinanong namin din to. Actually, namin ni Sophia, si Yusek Verhere. Kasi nga, bakit bakit ganun? Parang nagbibigay tayo, di ba, parang nagbibigay tayo ng false sense na meron pa na hospital beds oh. dun sa pinapakita nila na statistics. So, yung explanation, actually, hindi niya sinagot sa amin directly yung gusto namin na makuhang sagot. Parang, sinabi namin na, Yusek, bakit ganun? Na parang, Uh, since hindi, bakit hindi nat bakit yun yung pinapakita natin na sobrang different naman ng situation talaga on the ground. Like, yun nga, nag-report tayo na 86%, uh, 84% yung occupied. So, that would mean na 16% pa yung pwede magamit ng mga pasyente. Pero, yun nga, nakikita natin na yung mga pasyente nagagawa ng makeshift na, alam mo, di ba mga nakadextros or nag-oxygen sa kotse habang naghihintay ng hospital bed or nasa tent. Sinasabi niya na yung daw situationer nila, yung data daw nun is hindi lang hospitals na dedicated for COVID. So that would mean na it includes all the hospital facilities. So down to infirmaries, level 1 hospital, level 2, and level 3. So for context lang, yung level 3 hospitals lang talaga yung nakakapag-cater COVID-19 patients na may severe as in yung kailangan ng ICU na. Mm-hmm. Pero hindi kasi yun nabibigay na breakdown. And at the same time, yung level 1 at level 2, yun lang naman yung parang nakapag-treat ng mild. Pero at the same time, even yung level 1 and level 2, wala din namang makuha na hospital yung mga pasyente. ba diba? So, tinatawin namin na bakit gano'n? Na parang, if para magkaroon tayo ng, I mean, ng idea yung public about kung ilan talaga yung uh, occupancy rate ng hospitals, bakit hindi na lang ilagay kung ilan talaga yung for COVID? Oo. Uh-huh. Diba? Yun, yun naman talaga yung point eh. Pero hindi niya kami binigyan ng direct ng sagot na parang sabi niya lang sa amin, that would be ideal. Yun lang. At yun, that would be ideal. Pero parang sinasabi nila, pinag-aaralan pa rin nila kung paano like magagawa nila na kasi that would entail daw na parang uh, may systems na babaguhin on how the hospital would, re- uh, would report their hospital bed. So parang may sinasabi siya na gano'n. Hindi nila naisip to during the beginning. Right. Grabe. So, my second question naman is, follow-up question ko is, uh, ngayon nga na, more than like, more than a week na since na-lift yung ECQ sa NCR Plus, uh, ano naman sinasabi nila ngayon sa mga nagkasabi na hindi naman nag-improve yung situation natin? Okay. So, uh, yung isang story yan na parang nasulat ko the other day, I think, last Friday ata or Thursday. Parang sinasabi ni, kasi di ba maraming hospital group, even from the medical community itself, and then marami din talagang tao na sinasabi na nasayang lang yung ECQ kasi we're not able to ramp up testing. Yeah. At the same time, di ba yung contact tracing natin sobrang feeling din. Ang sinasabi ni Yusek Verhere is premature daw to say na wasted. Like, hindi pa daw natin siya masasabi na nasayang lang. Kasi ang pinangahawakan niya is mararamdaman daw yung effect ng ECQ 10 to 14 days since natapos. Mm-hmm. So parang kanina, nag-follow up kami. Ang sabi niya, baka daw next week pa natin makita. So tingnan natin <laughs> if that would be the case nga. Yeah. So, Dwight, uh, ikaw na yung talongin ko, ikaw na yung under the spotlight ngayon. <laughs> you covered LGUs when the 
ICQ happened again, di ba? Yung local yes. governments kasi napakalaki yung role nila eh. Uh, how would you compare itong implementation ng bagong ICQ during, compare mo siya sa first months of the pandemic last year. Ano yung parang nakikita mo na difference? I guess we have to take a step back muna sa announcement last year compared to this year. Kasi in March 2020, we didn't really have an idea of what a, what a lock, lockdown looks like. Mm-hmm. Parang meron lang tayong vague concept of how China did it or how Wuhan China did, uh, did it. Pero dito sa Pilipinas, wala tayong blueprint. So when the enhanced community quarantine was imposed, the guidelines weren't set in stone. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a different time now. For example, last year, in, uh, parang March 12, in announced ni Duterte that there will be a partial lockdown in Metro Manila. But then, we didn't know parang ano yung mga qualifiers noon. Then days later, tsaka palang nag-enhanced community quarantine, which is the strictest form of lockdown under the Duterte administration sa Luzon. Mm. Pero ngayon, there's a sense na alam natin paparating siya. Kasi before the implementation of the enhanced community quarantine, on March uh, 29th, um, we had a travel bubble a week prior. A travel bubble set up for Metro Manila, Cavite, Laguna, Bulacan, and Rizal. So, bago pa parating yung ECQ this year, naramdaman na natin na kailangang maging stricto yung ating implementation ng quarantine protocols, especially because the surge in cases now is different from last year. It, we can really say na unprecedented yung spike in COVID-19 cases this time. I would say that ano, uh, some people have been desensitized to the implementation and enforcement of ECQ, especially those who have the financial resources. Kasi last year, parang pwede natin sabihin na, ano eh, na ang unpredictable ng mga nangyayari, gumising ka isang umaga, ECQ, pero hindi mo naman alam kung anong ibig sabihin nun. But this time, when the government, when Malacanang announced that we will be back to another round of ECQ, I guess those people with better means in life already knew how to prepare. That said, for people na walang-wala, another round of ECQ uh, spelled trouble for them. And ano yung striking na nakita mo or na-observe mo sa implementation this time around? Uh, okay, sino yung parang LGU who handled the ECQ this time around best? Sino yung parang medyo alanganin? Okay. Siguro sa mga na-observe ko muna, in terms of differences, this time, the ECQ in 2021, in terms of the curfew, mas mahaba this time compared to last year. This time, uh, 6 p.m. to 5 a.m. yung curfew. Last year, parang 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. lang. So that's one. Uh, it's during these curfew hours, so minsan may mga nababalitaan tayong mga police misconduct against people who violate quarantine protocols. And it's one thing kasi to remind them they're violating quarantine protocols, but it's completely another thing for the police to weaponize the power that they have. In 2021, uh, we're still receiving reports of police misconduct against quarantine violators when last year they have been the subject of significant criticism mm-hmm. over the supposed militaristic uh, implementation of the enhanced community quarantine. I guess though, in, in another aspect naman, uh, the, the ECQ this time is slightly 
more relaxed in terms of mobility restrictions. Kasi last year, na- naalala ko, when the ACQ was imposed, kahit yung mga health frontliners, wala silang masakyan going to the hospital, ganyan. May mga essential uh, people who, are, who have essential means or parang essential sila to go outside, authorized people to go outside. Naghihintay sila ng ilang oras para maghanap ng masasakyan. This time around, meron kasing mga ilang public transportation uh, options that were allowed to still ply the road. I guess in a sense, in terms of mobility restrictions for people who needed it the most, there were more options this time compared to last year. Yep. Another thing pala, Judith, LGUs this time focused on special concern lockdowns. I think that's how they call it or means localized lockdowns or mm-hmm. granular lockdowns to quell the virus surge. And I think for some LGUs, it was effective, I guess. My example would be Pasay kasi Pasay was grappling, was the first to grapple with the COVID-19 variant back in March. In, in March, syempre, mataas yung cases nila. But uh, upon checking, uh, this time they had, in, in, ter- sa, in sa ranking sa Metro Manila, they, had, ano, they have one of the lower uh, number of active COVID-19 cases. Mm-mm. Ayun. And you mentioned kanina na parang less yung parang control or restriction sa mobility ng tao eh. So I'm going to another question na based on sa story na ginawa mo eh, may story ka about yung lax na border control uh, mm. palabas ng NCR bubble, papasok ng NCR plus bubble. Uh, marami na problema, sabi ay madali makalabas. So knowing all of these things, who is to blame for this mess na hindi ma intense yung implementation ng border control. Uh, at kaano ba importante yung border control when it comes to combating a pandemic? Especially like in the context of the Philippines na Metro Manila yung parang hardest hit sa Pilipinas. Mm. The Department of the Interior and Local Government or DILG uh, left it up to the LGUs, local government units, to decide kung mag impose sila ng COVID-19 test requirement for travelers. So, ang nangyayari, itong mga provincial LGUs naman, pinapasa rin nila minsan sa municipal or city LGUs pa yung trabaho. Parang sila na bahala kung mag sila ng COVID-19 test. So, nung sinulat ko yung story, medyo nahirapan ako. Kasi pagdating, akala ko, mag-expect ko na pagdating sa provincial LGU, they can say na for sure na, ay okay, itong probinsya namin merong COVID-19 test requirement o wala kaming COVID-19 test requirement. Pero I was surprised na pagdating ko sa provincial level, sabi nila ako, nakontakin ko daw yung mga municipal LGUs to check kung may COVID-19 test requirement sila for travelers. Mm. So, I guess the problem is you don't really know kung sino ba yung dapat i-hold accountable for this. Although, syempre, it's, it's, it's the national government nga na they should be issuing more uniform guidelines about this matter. Kasi nga si Dr. Tony Liatron, whom I interviewed, he was the uh, government advisor in the country's pandemic fight. He said that it will be it would be pointless to allow certain people to cross borders ganyan from Metro Manila, but they won't be subjected to COVID-19 testing. Mm-mm. Kasi nung, nung ECQ, kakaunti, kakaunting tao na nga lang yung, require, yung allowed to cross borders eh, para mga health workers lang, mga people with medical or emergency needs, uh, mga ganun. Pero minsan, nakakapasok pa rin sila sa isang provincial LGU 
nang hindi man lang sila pinagpe-present ng COVID-19 test. Minsan pag pag uh, undergo lang sila sa contact tracing or temperature check. But according to Dr. Tony Lietchon, paano mo malalaman if this person is possibly a carrier of the virus? So if you and if you don't test that person, who are you going to contact trace? Yeah. So those are some of the questions that he raised and that's why he's pushing for stricter border control and treat every province in the Philippines as if it's another country because we're an archipelago now. Yeah. So parang with all that you're saying with bonds and the numbers and right with how the LGU handled it, it showed like a, a dangerous picture or a concerning picture of where are we now after the latest ECQ. But before we dive further into this issue, let's listen to some rapper podcast overviews. Next time, wag niya kung pariginigin ng revolution. Nako, Diyos ko. Yan ang mas delikado sa COVID. Kaya kung mag-revolution kayo, you will give me the free ticket to stage a counter-revolution. How I wish you would do it. Don't understand what President Rodrigo Duterte is saying? Want to know the story behind his words? Listen to Seat of Power, Rappler's political podcast about the Duterte presidency. Hosted by me, P. Renada, Rappler's Malacanang Beat Reporter. Malino sa amin kung anong, anong terrorista eh. You say that the DOJ has a very clear concept of what a terrorist is, but it was also the DOJ who filed the prescription case. Well, I would like to think that that, would, that is a real, you know, that's a real lesson. Is there a risk, though, that we will never know the state of his health ever again? We can end up that way, in the same way that uh, the Supreme Court has rendered several constitutional provisions inert. How hopeful are you that this Supreme Court, under this administration, will exhibit a proactive attitude towards protecting human rights. What is before us is a Supreme Court that has overwhelmingly, for a few exceptions, one or two, in favor or on the side of the state power. A law that is not understood is a law that is easy to weaponize. I am Lian Buan, Rappler's Justice Reporter. Listen to Law of the Turtle Land podcast. And together with leading lawyers of the country, let's unpack the pressing legal issues and the Duterte government. Hi, welcome back to Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. I am Judas Gavilan and we are here with Bons Magsambol and Dwight Tileon. We're talking about the latest ECQ implementation at kung ano ba impact nito sa sitwasyon natin. Bons, for you, as you observed post-ECQ, kinover mo siya closely, In, with the past ilang days na, nine days so far, uh, ano yung mga nakabahala na nakita mo? Okay. So yeah, uh, doon sinasabi kasi nila, of course, parang hindi pa rin din naman, I mean, yeah, parang it's too premature din naman for us talaga to say that wasted talaga yung ECQ given na wala pang enough data to to prove it, ba? Diba? So, parang yung kinakatakot ko dito is what if nga nasayang lang siya and you are not able to decongest hospital. I mean, ba? Diba, parang, kasi kung nakikita mo ngayon, parang struggling pa rin talaga sa paghahanap ng mga hospital beds yung mga tao eh. So, yun yung nakikita ko na nakakabahala. And at the same time, if yung cases natin is mag-continue ng ganito, like 10,000 every day. Diba? Mm. So, paano? Like, 
uh, of course, hindi naman yun lahat na, di ba, parang uh, may mga cases kasi na naka-home quarantine lang kasi uh, for one, wala silang choice kasi walang available na bed. So, uh, as in home treatment yung pwede nilang makuha. Pero paano pag nag-progress yung mga cases na yun into, alam mo yun, na kailangan na nila ng oxygen, yung mga ganun, as in uh, kailangan nilang marush sa ER so hindi sila mabibigyan ng treatment. So, yun. So, yun yung mga nakakabahala na na mga pwedeng mangyari na baka magdire-diretso to ganito na to 10,000 every day yung cases. Yeah. And parang when you look at other countries na 200 cases a day, 20 cases yeah. a day, parang ang okay. layo-layo pa natin. Nakakatakot. Oh. Yeah, and for example, itong nakita natin sa India, di ba parang may isang day na nagre-record sila ng 250,000 na oh. cases, nakakatakot. And then, may mga photos din na yung mga pasyente nagsishare sa isang bed. ba diba? So, sobrang imagine. I mean, alam mo ako, parang ako pag nakikita ko sila, tapos parang tabi-tabi lang sila, and then may mga healthcare workers na nagtitreat ng, I mean, uh, nag, uh, nagmamanage sa kanila. Parang inisip ko, parang natatakot ako para dun sa healthcare worker na any moment, parang ba diba, parang yung isang room na punong-puno ng pasyente na may limang beds tapos dalawa per bed so 10 yun imagine mo yung risk na pwede nilang makuha doon when it comes to ay nga, yung virus so my next question is of course uh, and parang alam natin maraming problematic sa pag uh, respond ng government sa pandemic natin and if we're going to talk about it baka abundan tayo ng ilang linggo dito sa podcast right. na to baka kasing haba na ng Star Wars trilogy pero so I'm going to ask this uh, simple question to both of you. If you were to pick one thing na maling ginawa nila this uh, latest ECQ implementation, ano yon? Siguro let's start with bonds and then right. Ah okay, sige. Ah uh, okay, ano yung mali na nakita ko na implementation? Okay, naka-lockdown tayo pero hindi wala intervention like ito yung lagi kong sinasabi even the previous episodes ng podcast na parang nilalagay nila yung mga tao ang lockdown pero wala namang intervention tayong ibang nakikita. Like for example, parang 'di ba, parang yung mga experts natin sinasabi nila na ilalagay mo sa lockdown yung isang area, kailangan patataasin mo yung testing capacity nila. Eh ngayon kasi yung testing capacity natin, kung mapapansin mo, nagto 30,000, 20,000. I mean, itong testing output na to, ito pa yung last year eh. Yeah. Eh kung mapapansin mo, parang around August, July, ganun-ganun yung testing capacity and then may target sila na 50,000 nga. Yung 50,000 na yung target nila, yun may last year pa. So magwa one year na. Parang, mabibilang mo sa kamay or kung ilang days lang tayo nag-hit ng 50,000. So yun, so nakikita ko na parang yun yung pagkukulang. And then, uh, every time kasi na parang itatanong ng mga reporters sa DOH, like for example, uh, kay Verhere na uh, may plans ba tayo na maggawa ng mass testing or uh, at least i-ramp up yung testing capacity natin. Parang, alam mo yun, dismiss agad nila yung idea ng mass testing kasi parang 
'di ba parang ang nasa ang nasa isip nila I don't know ha parang ito yung nakukuha kong opinion I mean ito yung na-form ko na opinion na very very allergic sila sa term na mass testing kasi parang tinitingnan nila yun as in entire population na itetest which is not the case naman diba? yung mga groups na nagpo-push for mass testing hindi naman nila sinasabi na you have to test Philippine population as in wala naman talagang country na makakagawa noon pero yung sinasabi nila na mass testing kasi is for example sa isang area or sa isang LGU na may outbreak yun yung kailangan mag-test ka doon ng marami talaga and make it accessible to all kasi Uh, mahal lang RT-PCR testing, di ba? I mean, nagpapakasal ng 3,500 to 5,000. And for a family na naapekto ka ng finances ang lockdown, may iisip pa ba nila na magpa-test? Okay. Di ba? So, parang hindi siya talaga priority. And then, yung sinasabi din nila was, uh, nag-ramp up down naman, down naman sila ng testing at LGU na yung bahala doon. Which is, for me ha, opinion ko, parang ang dangerous no, na LGU lang yung bahala na mag-ramp up ng testing. Kasi alam naman natin na hindi naman lahat ng LGU ay mayaman. I mean, mm. hindi naman lahat ng LGU ay may capacity to test their people. ba? Diba? Yeah. Kasi depende pa rin yan sa budget na allotted for them. Like for example, yung Makati, Pasig, Manila, of course, they're capable to do it. Pero paano naman yung mga uh, mga munisipalidad sa Pilipinas na wala talaga, walang income? So yun, parang may mga doon mo makikita na ano yung mga barangay nga no, or mga lugar na wala namang capable, I mean, walang capability to test for people, right? Yep, yep. Dwight, ikaw, ano yung nakikita mong mali? Siguro one thing na pinakamaliksan nangyari o ginawa nila this time around? I think isa sa mga need i-point out, i-point out is kulang pa rin yung contact tracing efforts for people nagnagkaroon ng contact with COVID-19 cases. Siguro in addition nga lang to to Bonzes point. Kasi, I think our contact tracing ratio is not sufficient. I remember Benjamin Magalong, our contact tracing star, saying back in March that our contact tracing efforts are actually worsening. And that's alarming in the time na tumataas yung ating COVID-19 cases. Mm-hmm. And DILG naman uh, issued a statement recently saying that they will deploy additional contact tracers in Metro Manila in May. So that's a welcome development given that in the past I've covered uh, Quezon City, for example. Mayor Joy Belmonte issuing an appeal to the DILG to provide the city with more contact tracers Mm -hmm. because it's difficult for them to do it on their own. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned DILG na, no? Like, yun know, next question ko sa'yo. Like, mm. how would you rate their performance this time, this year, uh, sa pag-combat ng virus? Kasi we know na malaki yung role ng LGU. And knowing yes. that, malaki yung role ng DILG kasi sila yung parang umbrella department uh, handling yung coordination, yung pag-provide na resources sa mga LGUs. Eh. So, kamusta sila ngayong taon na to? Sometimes I worry lang when they always leave it up to the local government units to have the final say on a specific matter. Uh, for example, yun ngang, uh, whether local government units uh, can require their incoming travelers, incoming visitors to present a negative COVID-19 test. And then recently, meron tayong issue about community pantries. And th- I think that was just ano, uh, April 20. And 
Yusek Din, uh, Dino, he said that uh, at first that community pantries must secure a permit with the barangay office. Then there was a back and forth, sabi ni Yusek Malaya, wala naman daw. And then to settle the mess, uh, Secretary Anyo finally intervened and said, well, it's up to the LGUs to decide. So it's it's instead of the DALG issuing a formal stand on the matter, magminsan magkakaroon pa ng caveat na, okay, depende na sa LGUs kung ano yung gusto nilang requirements na impose And to add to that na lang, the problem sometimes with the DALG is that some of their officials make contradicting statements that make it appear, according to their critics, that they are not on the same page. Di ba ngayon, Joka, is parang wala daw silang Viber group. Uh-huh. So, for example, uh, recently, si Yusik Dinsing, he made statements on the government's pandemic response. It's the time na kinetisize niya si Vice President Lenny Robredo. And the DILG, so the agency, had to issue a statement disowning Dinsing's statement. And then, Recently, um, Yusek Martin Dino proposed or suggested that early bird ayuda recipients, yung mga maagang pumipila sa distribution ng ayuda, should be arrested because they are considered daw quarantine violators. So I clarified it with Yusek Malaya, who also distanced himself to the statement undersecretary, fellow undersecretary. So it will help if the DILG makes it appear that its officials are on the same page. Because if that happens, when that happens, it will be easier for the public to understand kung ano ba talaga yung mga protocols in place. Thank you, Dwight. Uh, for my next question naman, parang gusto ko parang mag-look forward kung ano yung mga possible na actions nila in the coming months. So, Bonds and Dwight, uh, ano ba yung key things na they should do most immediately? Like, siguro, uh, in the next few days, week, ano yung parang project or policy na dapat i-implement nila? Uh, in terms siguro sa health systems, like nakita na natin kung gaano yung itong record-breaking surge na nangyari sa atin this year is ibang-iba siya talaga compared sa nangyaring surge natin uh, last year, yung July to August. So parang ang naiisip ko dito, nakikita ko na parang as much as possible, I mean it's impossible for us to build hospitals right away. Diba? I mean, it will take years or months pa para magawa. So what if, alam mo, dagdagan natin yung mga modular hospitals natin. At uh, in that way kasi at least ilang beds din yung mailalagay natin doon. And at the same time, coupled siya dapat with uh, kung ano ba yung mga kailangan gamitin. And at the same time, uh, mag-hire ng health workers. Kasi of course, may hospitals nga tayo, may mga beds nga tayo. Pero hindi kasi yun dapat yun lang eh meron din dapat tayo mga healthcare workers na naka-assign sa mga bawat beds na yon So yun, para nakikita ko na dapat yun yung pagtuunan nilang pansin in the next days. And at the same time, of course, nga yung testing and of course, contact tracing. Side ano lang dito sa contact tracing since na-mention na din siya ni Dwight kanina. Parang naiisip ko lang na di ba parang every time na lumalabas tayo, like for example, pumapuna tayo sa mga establishments, or sa mga mall or kapag bibili tayo sa mga grocery. So parang iniisip ko lang na parang may pinifill out tayo ng mga contact tracing form, di ba? May mga uh, ini-scan na QR code. Mm-hmm. Pero naisip ko na what are the chances? Like ako, ikaw, or si Dwight, 
or anyone uh, nakakilala natin na nakareceive ba kayo ng message like for, from that establishment ng mall or sa government sa LGU nyo na ayun nga you got exposed sa someone na positive. Ayun na, parang naisip ko lang yun ngayon. Diba? Never tayo naka-experience nun or na-notify tayo na hi, Bon, so yeah. that exposed to a COVID-positive patient. Which is parang naisip pa natin na Yeah. Kasi weird kasi ako nga nakatira ako sa isang barangay na highest number of cases in the Philippines ata. Uh, right. Oh. So, posible na may mga nakasalumo ako sa nakasabay oh, sa palengke oh. or sa ano. Simula akong nakuha diba? anything. Oh. Diba? So, anong chances nun na parang ano, malakas yung guardian angel natin <laughs> na hindi tayo. Kasi iniisip ko na, for example ako, especially na nakatira ako mag-isa bago ako umuwi dito sa Laguna District weekend. So, mag-isa ako sa Pasig. So, ako talaga lahat yung gumagawa like grocery and stuff. So, parang ano yung chances doon na doon sa isang building na yun ay eh, walang nag-positive given na yung cases natin is nag-cover ng 10,000. di ba? And parang hmm, weird. Yeah. Ayun. So, Dwight, ikaw, ano yung parang tingin mo na they should prioritize in the coming days? Like, ngayon, ASAP, gawin nila dapat. Very similar din to what Bon said. In terms of For LGUs, uh, dapat ma-strengthen natin, ma-beef up natin yung contact, contact tracing efforts and yung testing capabilities natin because these are the things that will really help us understand how severe the situation is. Kasi ang worrying is, what if the numbers don't really speak for themselves? Parang what if There are more cases out there that are not reflected on the official numbers. Mm-mm. And also, sa nakon mo din naman mangyari, di ba? Pero what the flake mag-announce ulit ang government ng isang panibagong ECQ na sana-sana hindi mangyari ulit kasi that would mean na malalakas ang ocean natin. Pero if they did announce it again, they did place the Metro Manila and other provinces near near us na under ECQ, ano yung first thing that sh- uh, LGU should do, Dwight? I think one of the things that the national government as a whole should also look into is making sure that people under lockdown or people who have suffered because of the lockdowns are given supplemental aid at the proper time. Because, for example the supplemental aid from the national government during the enhanced community quarantine uh, was only distributed two weeks later uh, kung saan yung quarantine classification ay lowered na, modified enhanced community quarantine. And I think one of our reporters tackled this in one of his interviews, his subject said that lockdowns may not be effective when people are forced to leave their homes. So I think that's something that the government should really prioritize, making sure that residents or fellow countrymen have the resources they need. They don't have to be forced to leave their homes and find a way para hindi sila magutom. That's like a good point talaga, Dwight, no? And sadly, parang hindi siya or lost siya sa marami nating mga official, no? Uh-huh. So for my last question, I always ask this during my uh, podcast episodes. Medyo parang very pessimist daw. Pero gusto ko siyempre tanungin kasi gusto tayong parang ready tayo, no? So ano yung 
worst case scenario na nakikita nyo, if patuloy itong mga problema sa implementation ng lockdown, whether it be an ECQ or RMECQ, uh, ano yung parang natatakot kayo na mangyayari pa, Bonds and Dwight? Siguro Bonds una. Okay, yung worst case scenario ko, if this pandemic continues to drag on, parang uh, if hindi natin madecongest yung hospitals, So, imagine kung ilang pamilya na naman, I mean, imagine kung ilang pamilya na naman yung sobrang magdadalamhati and yung pain na mararamdaman nila na mawalan sila ng mahal sa buhay just because, alam mo yan, na parang hindi nabigyan ng treatment, proper hospital treatment, which, which shouldn't be the case. Parang, uh, wala, uh, parang hindi dapat yung maramdaman ng kahit sino man sa atin dito sa Pilipinas na hindi ka mabigyan ng ganong, alam mo yun, ng treatment na dapat hindi siya dapat mangyari. Ayun, basically yun, na parang pag nag-continue pa rin natin, tausan tayo for the next days, na parang, di ba, parang nakakatakot na afford ba natin talaga na another lockdown again? Di ba, parang ito yung nangyayari last year eh, na parang sinabi nila na, okay, two weeks lang, and then may mga countdown pa tayo na 14 days na lang, 13 days, and then again, nagiging one month hanggang nag, uh, nag-iis lang siya, pero naka-lockdown, technically, naka-lockdown pa rin tayo. And yun nga, katulad din ng mga sinabi ko sa'yo na sa mga previous episodes ng podcast na to, uh, itong pandemic kasi hindi lang naman health sector yung naapektuhan eh. Like, nagdo-domino effect sa lahat, ba diba? Sa economy, sa education, na yun yung kinakatakutan nating mangyari na yun nga, if hindi natin maraming tao talaga yung magugutom, nakakatakot na, alam mo yun, mamamatay ang mga tao, hindi dahil sa COVID because nagugutom sila. ba diba? Yun yung nakakatakot doon. And yung, uh, yung education system natin, ba diba? For uh, one year na, uh, sarado pa rin. So, isipin natin na, yun nga, pan, itong ang remote learning, sobrang uh, nakaka-receive na siya ng criticism, yung pinatututunan ba ang mga bata, so afford ba natin ulit ng another year of Uh, distance education with this unprepared system. So, yun. Yun yung mga parang worst case scenario na naiisip ko now. Dami, no? So, Dwight, ikaw, uh-huh. ano naiisip mo ng mga worst case scenario na kinakatakot ang mangyari? Actually, of the same fears as bonds, yes, our healthcare system might suffer more to the point na hopefully hindi mangyari, na, that it might collapse or something. And then, yun nga, bonds also mentioned about or education system. Kasi, if madelay ng madelay yung transition natin to a supposed new normal, then, it's inter, ano eh, uh, intersectional. So, yun nga, uh, can students who have been studying at home for the past year endure another year at home? Sa halip na nasa eskwelahan sila. And siguro, one last thing, I'm worried that ganito pa rin yung situation next year when it's already the election season or campaign season. Kasi I'm not sure if we're already preparing for the worst case scenarios and if we are ready to go out and vote under possible circumstance na sobrang daming cases, it's difficult to go out for many. Yeah, yeah. And we know parang it will take a long while na parang masanay yung electoral system natin na parang, minsan nga, di ba, pagbibigay parang ng ayuda, ang hirap na mag-maintain ng social dis- ng physical distancing. Parang pa kaya pag yes. election day, no? So, thank you so much, Bonds and White. Uh, sobrang parang medyo 
nakakatakot yung pinipaint na situation base sa mga data na meron tayo, base sa mga observation natin sa coverage natin uh, during the ECQ and the few days after the ECQ. So we hope na, of course, we hope na maging maayos ang solution natin. Sana tama nga yung DOH no? when, it, when it said na hindi pa nakikita yung effect ng ECQ. So sana if next week pag eventually nagsabi na yung DOH ng epekto, sana magandang epekto nito. No? So Thank you so much, Dwight and Bonds, for joining me today and for explaining the things that you've seen, the things you've observed, and how these are in the context that we are working in. Okay, thank you so much, Den Judes, for uh, inviting us. Yes, thank you, Judes, for, for having us on your show. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rappler and Newsbreak sa Facebook, pati na rin sa Twitter. Kung gusto mo na access to exclusive contents and events, pwede ka sumali sa Rappler Plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic na you think we should discuss in our podcast, pwede ka mag-email sa investigative at rato.com. Again, I'm Judas Gavilan, and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories.